Keanu Club, like a cool breeze over the mountains. This is episode 44, The Watcher from 2000. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. And with us today, we have one of our favorite guests, Chris Mattiello. Hello, Chris. I don't know why I do this to myself. Not the show, the movie. The, I pick the worst movies. You make us listen to terrible, terrible songs on Now and Again, so it's <laughs> only fitting that the karmic retribution is you get movies that are basically straight-to-DVD quality just terrible, terrible movies that, oh God, it is bad. This one's bad. Yeah, I don't know about straight to DVD. I think this is more straight to VHS, like in the dying days of that realm of movies. Like, eesh. I also want to say right up top, because we, we've sort of hyped it at least on the last episode, if not the last couple episodes, I was so bummed out. This is not Fat Keanu. Like, he's not fat in this. Well, he's not thin. Yeah. You know, he's not in shape. He's not in Matrix shape. So the last movie was The Replacements, and he gained 23 pounds for that to look like a football player. This just looks like he just didn't lose that weight. I don't know why, but I was expecting him to be, like, doughy, like, big. Mm-hmm. Like, unrecognizable, like, Raging Bull. But, like, no, it's not that. And I was I was let down. I was like, oh, it's just sort of bigger Keanu. Because, I mean, you also mentioned, Mike, on the last episode, that more recent movies, like The Neon Demon or whatever, he's just, like, a big dude. And here, I mean, he's just, he's sort of, like, an imposing, menacing guy in this. I was expecting fat Keanu, and I just got slightly not in great shape Keanu, which is still, you know, probably in better shape than, you know, I've been in years. Like, it's just, you know, he's still, he's still, uh, like, a superstar. I think that's partially my fault, because when you asked me what I wanted to do, I talked about the fat Keanu era, and in my mind, it was the movie The Gift. I think he plays, like, a doughy redneck in that. I don't think you're there yet. Well, that's the next movie we're doing. And I think that was taken already, so I was like, okay, I'll take this, and I figured it was so close together, and he was playing this dumb serial killer still, that I figured he was just still in, like, dopey creep mode, but no, he's not a doughy creep at all. He's just a creep. And even that's So you're saying that there's still, a ch- there's still a chance for me to have Fat Keanu. I mean, like you said, Fat Keanu is still like an 8. I'd fuck Fat Keanu. <laughs> He's not fat. Is that a West Virginia 8? Or is that a West Virginia 12? He's not going to be James Spader to 2016 fat. Like, you're not going to get there with Keanu. He's not Blacklist no. fat? Yeah, Joey, I think you might just have to rewatch Chain Reaction for the Fat Keanu. Because yeah. that is, at this point, his chubbiest i'd say like and that was mostly due to injury where he needed to sort of gain weight but i mean there you can it's visible he isn't as fat as there here but he still kind of looked weird to me or different you know maybe it was the replacements weight without being around the other players to sort of mask it and everything and it was kind of showing a little more for me in this one but yeah what can you say maybe maybe one day he'll really stretch it go method and and be obese for something and win that oscar for for doing that to his own body or something yeah, I guess that's something that we never really thought about, that Cage won the Academy Award for leaving Las Vegas, but Keanu's never won an Academy Award, so what are you waiting for, Keanu? Put your health at risk. I think Keanu's happier doing the action stuff. I don't think that dude, he's not going to Will Smith himself and do the saddest movies with the dumbest plots possible just to shoot oh, for Oh, I can't Oscar. wait to see Collateral Beauty. I cannot wait. Yeah, I don't think he goes searching for those types of roles. He's more into whatever interests him, it seems, and if those movies turn out to be gems and get nominated, like, so be it like the more the better you know i think the same with cage it doesn't seem like he's necessarily seeking out it would be considered like oscar scripts or things he's just doing what he likes to do or 
in some cases what he needs to do perhaps to make some money but yeah they neither of them really strike me even though cage has his oscar neither of them really strike me as the type that like really bait the academy with with their work i do want to note i mean this is we're sort of getting off topic here mostly because i'm avoiding actually talking about this movie because it's just not good but today the day that we're recording this it was announced that there's a new movie coming out next year which is maybe the fifth or sixth maybe for cage like he's got so many coming out next year but one was just announced today with isabel huppert who was in l and who's in things to come and is arguably the best actress on the planet right now and so to see cage against her i mean we might have possibly a return to form sort of academy award ish because a lot of people thought that l isabel huppert's movie from this year was going to be nominated for best foreign picture oscar and it didn't but i'm just interested to see if cage might go back to a sort of a respectable you know because we really haven't had that kind of movie with cage since joe right and i mean in terms of like keanu's more recent stuff he's been in better things but nothing that you know the academy could sniff yeah, Cage needs a theatrical release that he stars in throughout. You know, Snowden, he's in, and it got a theatrical release, but nothing else this year really did, and so it'd be nice. <laughs> you know, I think he deserves it at this point. And as far as Keanu, I think Chris is right where it's just, I think the public is more comfortable with him in an action form, and that's why John Wick 2 is getting this big push, and it seems like that's going to be um, a direction of his renaissance for a little while, and just see how far he might be able to restretch his action you want to get one of these guys an Oscar? Because both of them are kind of cage more so, but like in the the point of the career where there's more movies behind them than in front of them. Let's get one of these guys directed by Quentin Tarantino before he retires. That's what we've been saying. We've been saying that like over and over. We need him to rescue. We actually, I think we brought it up on Shia. Like we need Tarantino or someone <laughs> to grab Shia and bring him in. Because we were saying that he could have fit in like the Hateful Eight, like in the Channing Tatum role, that sort of that basement role. You could have had Shia down there. Yeah, or even like in Glorious Bastards, or that's one of the bastards I was thinking. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he would work in that realm, and it definitely. Keanu and Cage, and we got close with, you know, Keanu's working with interesting people now, like Refn's winding. Refn, exactly, yeah. And Cage is making that, wasn't it announced that Abel Ferrara is directing that new movie? Yep. And, you know, King of New York, like, that guy's no slouch either, and he's due sort of for a comeback, and that could be a very interesting combination there, so an exciting year ahead. But instead, we're here to talk about this movie, The Watcher from 2000, which was directed by a man named... Joe Charbanic? 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 He kept his name on this thing? I guess. He played cop number two in The Last Time I Committed Suicide. Oh, classic. So you might know him from that work. Well, I think we're the only ones that watch that. I'll send the guest we forced to watch it. So us. the backstory to this movie is that years before this movie was made, Keanu gave a verbal commitment to this guy, Joe Charbanic, that he would be in his movie. He read the original script. He's like, I love it. I'm going to be in it. And then a couple years later, we're down the road, Keanu is Neo, he's like a completely different Keanu than he was in 96, 97, and so now he has this star power clout more than ever before, and so they took this movie, and I guess he was like, well, Keanu's attached, and so they were able to get bigger stars, like that's how they got James Spader and Marissa Tomei, they're able to get more money for the budget, and it became like this bigger movie, and then I'm not exactly sure what happens next, but... In the original movie, Keanu's part was little more than a cameo, which makes no sense. And then when they had this bigger budget, bigger stars, they substantially rewrote the movie to make it more of like a cat and mouse kind of thing, like what we see on screen. 
And then Keanu, who was apparently getting paid scale when Marissa Tomei and James Spader were making like over a million dollars each, Keanu wanted to drop out, but there was some kind of, you know, legal precedent from Kim Basinger in Boxing Helena, I guess. And so he stayed on board. This is all on IMDb. This is the weirdest IMDb trivia I've ever read. Is the craziest, though, like inter-movie politics and what is going on? He wanted to drop out, but I guess there was some legal battle about actors not able to drop out. And he eventually said that he would do it, he would stay in the movie if they didn't use him on the poster or in the trailers, which is kind of amazing. So I don't know if they changed this into a movie he didn't want to do, or he was just busy, or whatever, or maybe he's just like, oh, this is below me, like, this is, I'm no longer able to do a favor for a friend. Whatever the reason was, he was suddenly like, I don't want to do this anymore, and then it's like, all right, I'll do it as long as none of your advertisements feature me. Well, have you gone to the, the wiki newsletter and uh, and seen what's on there? Because the story on there links to an article on The Guardian, which is completely cuckoo bananas. No. I'll, I'll give you the cliff notes. The quote from Keanu, well, first off, Joe Charmander uh, is a buddy of Keanu's who has filmed the actor on tour with his rock band Dogstar, Strike One. Yep. He was outraged to discover that Spader received 1.5 million more than him, Strike Two. And here's the quote. That's burying the lead. According to Keanu... Quote, I never found the script interesting, but a friend of mine forged my signature on the agreement. I couldn't oh, prove he did it, and I didn't want to get sued, so I had no choice other than to do the film. If it's September, that means it's been a year, so I can finally talk. Wow. This is so much more interesting than the movie. <laughs> I want a movie about the making of this movie, starring all the real players. That's crazy, because I didn't, I mean, I didn't get the sense that anyone really wanted to be there, per se, or like they were making great art but it seemed like Keanu was having fun with it playing against type for almost the first time in such a major way as this psycho killer kind of guy and stalker-ish person and then him dancing around you know I almost got like a bit of a Nick Cage vibe from him here like just trying anything like throwing out stuff for whatever because his character was so out there so that all this was happening behind the scenes well I was thinking of Cage in Kiss of Death as Little Junior because in the credits here you know and Little Junior is I guess one of Cage's first against type kind of the bad guy right but in the credits here, and I think it was the first time in that movie I remember talking about it there, that movie has and Nicolas Cage, and this is and Keanu Reeves. So we have James Spader and Marissa Tomei and Keanu Reeves. And so it's like that, you know, power position at the end of the credits. Like, he's not the star, but he's kind of the main draw in a way. So it was notable to see that, and I guess that's kind of cool similarity between the two. It's that the first time that I think Cage got it was when he was the bad guy in the movie, and here, the first time Keanu has it, at least as far as I remember, he's the bad guy in this movie. I don't I don't know if you've ever heard the story of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. It's a uh, part four. No, I don't think so. It's um, Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger. So this movie was filmed and shelved like two years before it came out. And then Bridget Jones's Diary happened. And then, I don't know, probably some movie where Matthew McConaughey took his shirt off happened. And both of them were huge. And they both sued to have the movie stopped from being released because the company was just going to push it out there with their names and faces on it two years after it was shelved. And I think they also managed to get their face taken off of the poster entirely. So this is like, there is precedent for this. It's stupid and shitty, and Hollywood is clearly fucked up, but this is not the first time 
and it's also not the last time because I, I think if I remember right, Cabin in the Woods was shot in like 2012 and they just held on to it. And then Chris Hemsworth became Thor. And they're like, oh, like, let's put this out now. So, I mean, there's not always bad things or negative reasons. I guess there's lots of reasons why a movie studio would hold a movie for one reason or another. Maybe it's a big pile of shit or maybe they're just waiting for like they know that Chris Hemsworth is under contract with Marvel and they just know that holding on to it for two years is not like triple their investment or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, Hollywood is uh, fucked up. Also with this movie, the original title was Driven, which sounds like a Cage straight-to-home video release, like Stolen or whatever. I also don't get Driven in terms of the movie. Like, there's people driving around cars, but that's such a small part of the movie. It's that Keanu or Spader is driven to catch Keanu. Like, it's that stupid, though. But you would think that it's like a... It's gotta be a play on words. It's gotta be like a multiple... Like, the Watcher is... Like, there's sort of, like, some kind of depth there. Well, I mean, even just in terms of the title, The Watcher, I mean, this was just another movie I'd never heard of until we started Keanu Club. No idea. I mean, this is what Marissa Tomei was... I mean, where's... What? Poor girl. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Spader, I understand. Like, he's a working actor, you know, but... Honestly, honest to God, like I thought this was going to be about surveillance because of the title and the way it starts with the sort of rough footage and the yeah. way that the like the frame rate is all screwed up. Like he thinks it's like a Wong Kar Wai film. It just pulled the rug out from under me just in terms of that, too, in that it's not about what I was expecting at all. And then like what it's about, it's like I've seen a million times, you know, it's basically like the frozen ground or something like that. Like it's just like a CSI episode again or something. I mean, we're running into that territory. I imagine we could go around the horn and name movies of this ilk that came out around this post seven post Silence of the Lambs time like Bone Collector copycat kiss the girls along came a spider the amazing one with diane lane untraceable where the guy hacks her car oh a myriad of like shit cat and mouse detective serial killer films where the serial killer has a dumb gimmick and it's all seven's fault really i wrote down seven in this because it's so clear that they want to make keanu this really meticulous menacing cool villain like kevin spacey and he's just not If it wasn't for Keanu being Keanu, I would have less than zero interest in this movie. Maybe just because we're focusing on him, or maybe it's actually just what he's bringing to this. I feel like he's watchable in his part. I feel like nothing else in this movie at all is even the littlest bit interesting. But whether it's Keanu because of our semi-obsession with Keanu, or because he's actually like doing more than what the script sort of you know requires him to do, I think that he's kind of fun, not the entire time, but at times throughout this movie. It's a rough one. I mean, it just it just does not feel like a like a feature, you know? It just doesn't feel like it doesn't have the gloss of what you would expect to come out of the Hollywood machine at all. It just feels like a straight to video movie and for back then, that's not a good sign. I mean, now I mean it makes a whole lot of sense about why this movie exists now. I understand. It almost feels like we just have to make it. Just get it done. Get it over with. I, I can't imagine there were many takes with this stuff, you know. It's probably like one or two takes, Max. But you're right. I think Keanu is the best thing about it. I don't even think he's. it's that good, though, because the director or someone puts him in Matrix wardrobe. He's wearing like a black leather suit or jacket and pants and everything again this time. Even there's like that Rob Zombie song from the Dracula. Matrix is in this. Mm-hmm. There's like other bad techno 
from this. There's a second Rob Zombie song in this movie, too. This movie sort of bookends with Rob Zombie songs, which is insane. Yeah, so, I mean, it doesn't even rely on itself to create the Keanu character. It's like, remember him in The Matrix? Like, remember The Matrix? Like, this is Keanu Reeves in my movie, and he was in The Matrix. And it's like, I see one or two scenes of him, like, dancing, and I was like, man, I just wish that was more focused on. You know, a better director and a much better writer would turn this into something more interesting wherein that he had some kind of obsession with dancing with you know the women that he killed or whatever you have you you know that's his work shall we dance no don't play hard again this will be fun what are you doing out here you're changing man what's it look like don't you have a job or anything yeah whatever look are you gonna give me some money or what only if you dance with Shut the fuck up. I'm serious. There's no music. I'll lead you follow. <laughs> but I mean it doesn't seem like the director follows that whatsoever. It's just in there because like maybe Keanu would put it in there. Who knows why it's in there? It's the one the dancing thing was the one interesting thing about his character for me and it's not even a major part of his Keanu Reeves dancing to Dracula is the best thing about this movie and right after that is the three minutes that Hollywood's favorite blue collar portrayer Ernie Hudson gets because he is a treat anytime he's in a movie and he comes in (laughs) gets his cup of coffee and his paycheck and he leaves the movie he drives to the edge of movieville and is just out of this it's unfortunate because he should have had the Chris Ellis role that would have been so much better if he was the partner yeah that's right or if yeah was in it more even if he played who he played but was out there in the field from time to time with Spader by the end or if Keanu went off of his kind of shifted his MO stopped hunting women and went after guys and started eliminating Keanu's partners one by one or something and just involve him more but it is a big waste here to just have Ernie Hudson do nothing it does not seem like he was there very long like they got all this stuff within a day or two and he was out of there The bigger shame is the fact that Academy Award-winning actress Marissa Tomei is given absolutely nothing to do at any point in this movie. Like, she's just there literally to be a pretty woman who deals with Spader and then later Keanu. She is almost by definition an object in this movie with no redeeming qualities, no character arc. She goes from being an object to a damsel in distress, and there's no middle ground or kind of anything, right? Like, there's nothing to her at all. She plays the psychiatrist, right? Because so what happens basically is Spader was hunting Keanu in L.A., but then Keanu burned his fiance. Like it's complicated, but basically that's what happened. Like his wife or his fiance was killed by Keanu, so he moved to Chicago to be closer to her grave, and Keanu follows Spader there to start sort of stalking and taunting him and starting the game again, and he's talking to Marissa Tomei about all of that, right? Like, that's, she's his psychiatrist, right? That's her deal? Yes. All right, and he goes to her, what, twice? And those scenes last, what, like three, not even three minutes? Like, there's just no substance there. We don't learn anything about Spader through her interactions. We learn it all in dumb flashbacks while he's having panic attacks in the middle of the night. 
we're in 2000. Do we have The Sopranos yet? I will guarantee you they sold Marissa Tomei on this movie as like, it's going to be just like the psychiatry scenes in The Sopranos. You're going to get to have that much. And, and then it was just like, no, actually you're going uh, to be tied in a chair for like 40% of this movie. Well, what's weird about this is that this is the first time I've ever seen a therapist in a movie that wasn't the one who said time's up. Spader is so itchy to get out of there, out of the scene. (laughs) I don't know if it's the actor or the character, but she asks him a question. He looks at the clock. He's just like, time's up, Doc. What were you going to say? Time's up. And she just like like she's so everything about it is so listless and weird. But it, oh god, it, it's incredible. I don't have a bad thing to say about any of these actors or actresses separately. Like Marissa Tomei, fantastic. Love her in pretty much everything she is. Can't wait for Hot Aunt May. Spader, so intense, fantastic. Don't watch the blacklist. Don't care. But like pretty much any time he's around before you know six years ago, he's great. And Keanu is Keanu, but you put this all together. I mean, it's a 2000 movie, but this 90s music video editing and cinematography, a shitty 90s ripoff plot, and you've got a movie that is borderline unwatchable. The mood definitely comes through on the screen. I mean, if people were unhappy making this, I can tell. Nobody really, I don't get any buddies giving their best foot forward. Everyone just feels like they're trying to get through it to me. And that's too bad because nobody's on the same page, let alone looking at the same book, you know, on the same shelf or anything. No one's close to each other here. And yeah, it just, it's a mix that should work and more capable hands. If, if it didn't feel like they were being extorted to make this thing, then maybe it would be a better, you know, a better product. You know what I got? We were talking about Marissa Tomei being sold on it like it was The Sopranos. You know what vibe I got from James Spader's character, at least when we were in his apartment, is that he was a mm. real Fox Mulder type. But, like, if Fox Mulder was broke, it looks like the set is the same set as Mulder's apartment, which I don't think is the case. I don't think it's – it's just the same kind of similar, like, dingy apartment. But it's just broke, and there's nothing there. There's no set dressing. It's like, look how empty this guy's life is. His refrigerator's empty. There's, like, no art on the walls. There's nothing there of any substance. And then he sits down, he starts, like, leafing through a Victoria's Secret catalog, and I was just like, oh, that's another Mulder thing, because, like, early on in the X-Files, Mulder had this huge porn obsession that they just, like, referred to a couple times, and I think that just dropped entirely. But, like, early on, like, he was, like, super into porn. And so, I was thinking about Mulder's apartment, and then he picks up this catalog, I was like, oh, this guy is Mulder if Mulder, like, wasn't passionate about anything and had no money. Like, it's everything that's interesting about Mulder stripped away, and you just have this sad sack lawman in this really terrible apartment. Yeah, it's it's the cheapest way to get across, like, oh, the case that got away from him completely broke him psychologically. He's going to the shrink, he's got nothing in his apartment and doesn't talk to anyone, his dick doesn't work. It's such lazy filmmaking. Yeah, and you know, I completely agree, and I called it right from the beginning, pretty much, that Keanu had something to do with killing his wife or killed his wife, and the the chase sort of reversed. I mean, there's no mystery here either to how he's playing it or any of that either. I mean, it's all very telegraphed. I just wish it was doled out better instead of in these, like you said, like MTV-style video flashbacks in his head because he's pumping himself so full of medication because he's telling us like he's like listing all the drugs he's on and this and that and i'm poking myself and this and it's like all right great i get it like you're telling me what you want your character to be loud and clear but it's just not flying for me but like what's his thing like he has migraines yeah yep he gets migraines and that's you need to like give yourself insulin shots 
yeah, I don't know what the hell was going on with that. That was some questionable science. I wasn't sure if he was just an addict. That's how he plays That's it. That's not... I don't think it's... Like, he might get migraines, and he might need insulin, and he might need certain drugs, but I also got the fact that he was abusing all that. There's a scene where he rips open, like, the sterile syringe and to give himself an injection, and, like, it's, it is insulin. They straight up say that, but he plays it like he's going through withdrawals. It's terrible. There's no direction, and Spader... I think Spader would be above that, but maybe that's how he was directed. Really weird. While we're on the topic of things that don't make sense, was that his wife that died? At the beginning? I thought they said it was, like, someone he was sleeping with. It's a woman he loved. Oh, no, you know, wait, wasn't it? Oh, I think it was, she was married, and he was having an affair with her? I mean, that's the, the, the point I was trying to make, though, is that, like, this movie doesn't tell you anything. It just, and it's not that it's trying to be vague. It's just edited and written, like, garbage. Like, we need to know what the connection to James Spader was so we can feel, like, that pathos, and we don't. Well, like, early on in the movie... Keanu does say to Spader, for me, it was our finest moment. I can still see the flames. You're like, what are you talking about? But then you later, and only through like vague, weird flashbacks or visions, does he finally piece everything together. And that's only after Keanu. So the whole movie, Keanu's sending him pictures of girls. And this has probably been going on for a while. Like, okay, I'm, I'm sort of like backtracking a step at a time here. But here's a, here's a question before I go any further. Who is worse at their job? Is James Spader a worse cop, or is Keanu a worse serial killer? Oh, Spader by a mile. Yeah, I think Spader is the worst cop. I mean, you have Spader taking these photos and enlarging them, like eight different versions of the same picture, but from different magnified portions of it. Like, what is that shit about? And he's like holding them up and making people make copies. You remember that scene? There is someone who says, I'll enhance the drum scan. And I was like, what does that even mean? Yeah, all right, I'll enhance the drum scan. We'll bring it even closer and we'll see what we got. All right? Yeah. Like, Spader is just wasting resources, time. He's so late to the mall when he's like, they're at the mall at night and they find the suspect or the the witness and they're like, when did you last see the Jane Doe? And she's like, oh, 2.30 in the afternoon. And I'm like, what is going on? It's like five hours later. She's still hanging out at the mall waiting for them to show up. How long did it take them to make all those copies of the uh, missing girl picture? Yeah, I don't think he's a good cop at all. So this also must be the time in cinema history where FedEx is paying to be in every Keanu movie because wasn't the package he gets from Morpheus, the cell phone, wasn't that a FedEx delivery? Like, it was definitely product placement from one carrier. And then in this movie, there's FedEx labels all over the place because Keanu has been FedExing James Spader photographs of the girls that he's capturing and killing. And because this is a late 90s, early 2000s cat and mouse detective thing like Chris was talking about earlier, and this feels like it was based on a book by... Jeffrey Deaver. Like, he wrote basically 40 books that are the same book. It's all these kind of movies. Yeah, the Alex Cross series. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. don't, don't go watch that remake with uh, Tyler Perry. With Matthew Not Fox as, like, really crazy ripped Matthew Fox. Yeah, if you want a movie worse than The Watcher, go watch that. Who watches The Watcher? Anyway, he's been taking pictures of girls and sending them to James Spader and basically in this movie saying, I'm going to kill this girl tomorrow at 9 o'clock. Good luck finding her. Or that's sort of what it becomes or whatever. Yeah, and I, and, and just for the record, I kind of do think that is like being a good serial killer. For a movie, Like I think that's a good hook for him. Well, like, you're being a good movie serial killer, yeah, I guess. Catch me if you can kind of thing. So just to finish answering your question from before, <laughs> Spader, Spader, bad cop, Keanu, good serial killer okay well maybe not good serial killer but not bad serial killer here's the thing spader gets that fedex 
And then he doesn't play the game. Like, the serial killer has a game to be played, but Spader is such a waste of a fuck-up that he doesn't open the FedEx for two days later, and Keanu just yeah. has to go and kill the person to start the thing. And we find out that Keanu had sent him a FedEx package weeks earlier with a picture of another girl that died. So, like, you get a FedEx package of a dead girl, and you don't open the next FedEx package you get? Dude, Keanu finally had to kill his downstairs neighbor. Remember that? Like, Spader comes home, and there's, like, an investigation going on and everything downstairs, and then he goes upstairs and opens the FedEx thing, and it's the girl that was murdered downstairs, and Keanu, like, calls him on the phone and is like, I have to kill, like, the girl in your building because you wouldn't play with me. That's another thing. Keanu and Spader talk on the phone three or four times in this movie, and Spader never recognizes his voice. Hello? Hi, it's me. Me? Me who? It's freaking cold here. Why'd you move here? What the fuck do you want from me? You hardly leave your apartment. And when you do, it's to eat at that same terrible Vietnamese restaurant night after night. You seem so bored. I was expecting a warmer welcome. Well, I didn't fucking ask you here tonight. The guy they replaced you with. I tried to make it work, but we just didn't see eye to eye at all. I was going to quit the game entirely, but then I thought Chicago's not so bad. At least you didn't move to New Jersey, right? Yeah. Yes? I need to speak to L.A. Buckner immediately. Oh, she can't come to the phone right now. No, 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 please, please. Put her on the line immediately. It's a life or death emergency. Not anymore, it's not. Wasn't that fun? It hasn't felt that good for years. Wasn't it suspenseful? Oh, yeah, that was a blast. This way is much more fun. It's amazing, isn't it? We're all stacked right on top of each other, but we don't really notice each other anymore, do we? You notice me, though. Don't you, Joel? That they call the one girl's house, and Spader's like, put her on. He's like, she can't come to the phone right now. And Spader's like, it's a matter of life or death. And Keanu says, not anymore. And still at that point, James Spader's like, who am I talking to? (laughs) This is the third time, at least, that you've talked to Keanu in this movie. You are just terrible at everything. Are we giving up on going in order? Because I'll just, I want to jump ahead if we're going to go on that note. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. At the beginning of the movie, we see that Spader chases him out of a burning house. There's no way that James Spader does not see what Keanu Reeves' face looks like. Later on in the movie, Keanu Reeves, to fuck with him, gets in an elevator with him and stands there looking at him like a creep on a on like a late-night New York City subway. And he does not figure out that this is the guy who has been fucking with him. What are we doing? <laughs> like, he even says, like, thanks, and talks to Spader in the yeah. elevator for a minute, and still, the voice thing. It's not like Spader has, like, a bad ear. Nothing is set up like he's got an injury. No. It's just bad. Maybe he's just having migraines the whole movie. One other thing. Can we throw something else into this? Is Marissa Tomei a worse psychiatrist than the rest of them? Because her recording and logging all of her patients' conversations and then letting people know that she does that is possibly the biggest HIPAA violation I've seen from a movie outside of, like, fucking Dr. Giggles. Well, usually, Mr. Abraham, I do an introductory session where we both explore what you hope to get out of therapy. And if we both feel I'm the person to provide that for you, then we can decide on a schedule together. And and I like to record my sessions. But if you prefer that Is I don't... Is that something that you do with all of your patients? 
Yeah, with most of them. Would you prefer that I didn't? Yes. I'd rather you not. Okay. That's that's fine. Keanu finds those tapes eventually, right? And it's like confirmation for him that, like, because he he's like, um, she said we were meant for each other. He feels like the respect or the let's just say it, the love is reciprocated, right? I mean, that's what's really going on here. I think that not too subtle by the end is that Keanu is killing women to get James Spader's attention because he wants them. He wants to be wanted by him. Oh yeah, he's jerking off to those tapes. You say that Keanu finds the tapes like it's this huge, like, you know, hunt for them, but he just goes into Marissa Tomei's office, right? And she has file cabinets that are alphabetized with the patient's files and, like, the tapes in them. Like, he just finds the file and she's like, oh, here it is. Yeah, I mean, it would have been nice if it took some effort and it was something a little more legal than I audio tape all of my clients' conversations. To what end? You know, why is she even doing that? There's no explanation. I don't think she gives one, does she? She doesn't say, like, I am a psychiatrist, but I have short-term memory loss, so every once in a while I have to re-listen to these sessions, but nothing. One thing that I want to mention, that before when Chris was saying like the, that nothing makes sense in this movie, that they're like the writing doesn't make sense, there are lines in this movie that I feel like are in every cop movie that are just like, not necessarily cool lines, but sort of, they're a line that a cop says or whatever that's just like, oh, like we're in a movie. And so at one point, somebody says... Nothing like a good serial killer to kick off the holiday season. And I was like, oh, are they setting this up to be like a Christmas movie? Nope, that's completely dropped. And then the next line <laughs> is something, something, something. We better get Bob Barker in this. It's a damn game show. Is it your custom to open your mail four days after you get it? Nope. Sometimes it takes up to two weeks. Well, this would appear answer any questions we had whether these two cases were related. Goodness gracious, nothing like a good serial killing to kick off the holiday season. Right in here. Give me a minute. Okay, Lieutenant. You got him sending his pictures in the mail, Campbell. Hell, we ought to get Bob Barker in on this, son of a bitch. It's a damn game show. And so in this world, you know, all these cops are basically just, like, spouting off witty banter to each other, but, like, nothing ever means anything. I don't know why they call it a game show. There's no real game show element to this. There's no Christmas, there's no holiday season element to any of this. And then, completely unrelated to that, completely removed from that, a couple scenes later, when Keanu was buying film in that store, and he asked that girl, like, what is a film, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, oh, I don't know. I just work here. But you work in a film store. Like, how do you not know about the one yeah. thing you sell? Like, I understand you're like a minimum wage, whatever, but like, just, what is that even, like, that's just a thing for people to say. This film stock says it's for exterior sunshine, but how's it handled fluorescence? Uh, I'm sorry. I have no idea what you're talking about. I just work here. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I just work here. Yet yeah, that's why I'm asking you. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Absolutely valid complaints right there. She should at least know like the different, you know, exposure for the different types of film, or at least what a Polaroid is. And that whole thing is just a 30-minute diversion because they suspect the boyfriend, I guess, or they're going to get information out of this guy from the background cast of Hackers, and it's just a 30-minute diversion. We know that it's not him. We know he doesn't have anything to do with this. There's no point to that whole thing. Yeah, the movie is basically, once it gets going, split up into three kidnaps. So they, they screw up on the first two. So the first one's like the photomat girl. The second one is some 
gutter punk, right? A street cha- they call her a street changer. I'm street changing out here. <laughs> she's a gutter punk, but that's fine. I mean, she's she's you know she seemed okay to me. She seemed like she was doing well on by herself. She also bashes Keanu in the head with a stereo. Yeah, almost got away too. And then the third one is Marissa Tomei. And yeah, those first two man, they take most of the movie just to like hand out flyers in large parts of different photos, oh, like ream each other out over nothing, and have Keanu call up James Spader and be like, "Hey, it's me." And James Spader's like, "Who? Me? Who? You know the guy?" And then he's like, "What guy?" The guy who's been killing women. Oh, yeah, okay, that guy. Right, right. Okay, what do you want? You know, there's a million things that could have been done to save this movie, starting with, like, a competent director or a competent script. But say all things are the same. I know we can't elevate it that much higher, but if we swap Keanu and James Spader's roles, is this a better movie? Probably. I think so. I think Keanu isn't doing well playing... I mean, I like some of the choices he's making under the circumstances, but this is not the time to so drastically play against type. You know, like, he has not been evil at all, pretty much. I mean, you know, Don John was a bad guy, but, you know, he was a cartoon character. That whole movie was just for fun, pretty much. It's just a much ado about nothing. But I think next time in The Gift, that's directed by Sam Raimi, and that's a much better script, and I think that character he plays is much more well-suited for a debut like this to to unveil some of his darker side. I do not feel like this was the right venue for him to go dark. I think <laughs> I think it shows for itself. Well, I can certainly tell you, I don't know if it's going to be a better movie, I can certainly tell you it's not going to be a worse movie. Well, yeah, you're going to be pleasantly surprised by it because your expectations are going to be so low from this one. Like, it's not great. It's like a five and a half. Oh, no, I mean, I, like I, I don't know about the gift. I mean, I'm not talking about the gift. I'm just talking about if they swapped roles in this movie it's not gonna be worse i can't imagine that any like the gift is gonna be worse than this either just because this is just like like if there's a bad movie you know this is so there's like bad movies and there's like bad bad movies and there's like good bad like this is just like bad like there's nothing really notable about this that we can make fun of or we can really chew into it's close to that kind of but it's not that it's not bad bad it's just bad which is the worst kind of everything there's one moment in this where i I was like, okay, there's where all the money went. So there's a horrible foot chase between Spader and Keanu, which turns into a terrible car chase, which then turns into that enormous gas station explosion for no reason. Which actually looks kind of cool. Yeah, because that's where all the money went. Which is why they ran out of money for what is really Alex Proyas-level bad oh CGI God. at the end. Oh, geez, When the yes. apartment or whatever explodes, and they jump out the window, and oh my God. Okay, so jumping to the end, Keanu has Marissa Tomei tied up, and James Spader is there. There's a showdown, and the place gets lit on fire. How's this for deja vu? We've got the fire. We've got the pretty girl. Only instead of bringing us together... You moved to Chicago. The guilt must have been unbearable. Or something like that. Is that what you want me to say? I feel guilty a woman is dead because I made a terrible mistake. No. No, no, that wasn't the mistake. The mistake was turning back instead of pouring all you had into us. What do I want you to say? I want you to say thank you. I want you to say thank you for coming here and saving your pathetic life. 
and there's cops trying to break in, and this is the beginning of the movie, like, it circles back around, and there's a scene where the cops, I guess, kind of burst the door open as the door kind of explodes outwards, sort of, and they get swooped up in, like, this huge pillar of flame, and that kind of looks cool. And then we're whisked to inside, and it is the lowest-budget, terrible CGI I've seen in a long, long time. Keanu Reeves gets lit on fire, and it looks like Scorpion does a fatality on him. Like, straight Sega Genesis. (laughs) Horrible. Yep. Yeah, that was very unexpected. I knew this movie went pretty low, but I didn't know it was going to go that low. Like, it's just just shoot around that then, you know. I mean, there are ways to artistically show what you want better than that. I don't. And then it jumps out the window, right? Like, everyone jumps out the window because the whole place is going to blow, and, and Spader and Tomei are arm in arm, and they, they land, and then Keanu on fire jumps out the window, and that is also looks to be... A terrible composite there as well i mean it was that was pretty rough it's it just it's bad it's just it's not even click something let's think they're not even trying i think it was like pulling teeth like i would imagine that's what shooting this was like i'm sure the director was ex- extremely enthusiastic to be shooting with james you know james fucking spader like rat pack just like a classic 80s high school villain and a really good modern villain i mean i thought he was you know casting him as ultron was a good choice so it's weird you're right like they maybe they should have swapped roles maybe they were just too high profile and just felt like they were above this material or the situation i mean it just felt like the situation was not conducive to making great art one thing that I got a consistent laugh out of, do any of you remember what Keanu Reeves' character's name is? David Allen Griffin, which I was pretty sure I heard David Allen Greer the first time that they said it. And every time I just imagined David Allen Greer in Jumanji as a cop, and I couldn't stop chuckling at that. That was the only enjoyment I got out of this movie outside of Dracula. Oh, boy. I mean, I've ran out of notes to talk about. There's nothing left to talk about this movie. There's just so little here in general. It's amazing. The director really hasn't directed much, obviously, other than this. The writers, there were two guys who came up with the story, and then one of those guys and somebody else came up with the script. So there are a couple of writers here. Two people wrote this? Yep. And they're all Jeez. pretty much mostly just known for this. I mean, there's some people who have done other stuff. Nothing that I really, I mean, I didn't dig too deep. There might be other stuff. Whatever. Nobody else who works with Keanu again. The closest thing to a Keanu nection is that both Spader and Keanu acted across from Lori Loughlin in the 80s. But that's it. There's nothing here. Too bad. I feel like we've had a lot lately, these Keanu movies, where he just never works the people again. And for this movie, there's good reason why. Yeah, I think recently only Delroy Lindo has come back once or twice. Um, yeah, I mean, this was a big disappointment. Okay, so, like, it had, like, the quality of Deadfall, you know what I'm saying? Like, the Cage movie. But that just had so much more charm and fun behind it. And everyone just felt like, even though it was crazy and insane like everybody was really kind of like gung-ho about what they were doing and this had potential to go there i feel at times and i mean even at the villains both burned to death in, in those movies but it just never got off the ground to me i mean it's just too bad that there was no spirit behind this yeah even that when the car or when the gas station explodes and the car gets lit on fire and it's driving down the street like i didn't even get any joy out of that like even that wasn't working for me i was just like whatever i'm just it's too late really it was just too little too late at that moment it never got any better chris you have anything left to say about this movie because i think that was sort of a a cap for mike's thoughts because i have i'm i'm completely running on empty now 
Um, anything less than your nose that you wanted to talk about? Dig through the ditches and burn through the witches and slay them in the back of my Dracula. There you go. This is a worse Keanu movie than my previous episode, Even Cowgirl Get the Gets... What is the hell the name of that movie? Even Even Cowgirls Get the Blues. Yeah, it's a worse Keanu movie than that because Keanu's not in that movie. But that is a better movie because at least it does things even though it does them poorly. This doesn't do anything and it does nothing horribly. It's funny how, in retrospect, (laughs) you you can see how things aren't so bad in comparison to stuff like this. Well, what's weird, I feel, is that... When we started Keanu Club, I was so enthusiastic, and then we like hit a stretch where I just got really burnt out on the stuff, and then as we entered the 90s, and as we entered sort of the stretch of movies that I wanted to talk about, I got re-energized again. And now, here we're on this decline, and it's just like, oh god, like it's going to be darkness for a while, maybe. If you look at Cage, and Cage did Leaving Las Vegas, which we talked about, where he won an Oscar, then he did his action trilogy, but then he came off that in, like, City of Angels and The Family Man, and, like, we love The Family Man. City of Angels is not great, and it's kind of weird and sort of uncomfortable in certain senses, but, like, at least that's, like, a movie about something that's, like, well-made. Here, you know, we have The Matrix, and then we come down off that into, like, The Replacements, and now we're here, and it's just like, where do where, how did we get here? <laughs> yeah, that was a sharp decline, indeed. And I don't know how we got here. I'm not even sure where we are right now, to be quite honest with you. You're right. It's like, I feel like I got tackled in a concussion after the replacements, and I woke up, and I don't recognize anyone or anything. Three concussions in one game. Three concussions in one movie. It's hard to shake off, Mike. I, you know, one of these days, you'll get back out there on the field and just watch this one again, I guess. Not likely, but... (laughs) Unlikely. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like, there's so many movies that, like, I just don't want to watch these Keanu movies again. I mean, my favorite movie of all time is a Keanu Reeves movie, and that's sort of why we're doing this. Like, one of the main reasons that I personally want to do this, but, like, there are more movies of his that I will never watch again than Cage's. And that's... And we're only, like, halfway through. Like, there's still still so many more that we just have to, you know, hopefully there's some hidden gems, but, God, if there's more like The Watcher, like, ugh. What's the next movie that Chris is back for? I wonder what that's going to be, if that's going to be another stinker. Am I back until Knock Knock? You're... Oh, you're back to the lake house. Oh, I can't wait. You know what? This movie... This movie needed James Spader and Keanu Reeves falling in love via Magic Mailbox. Oh, yes. And then you're back for Knock Knock, which is not a good movie, but fun and also, like, really sexy. So there's that. Well, that's, again, what this movie should have been. It needed to be a sexy psychological thriller. And uh, it never it never went there. Well, it needed to be anything. Like, it, it, it needed to be anything. It just made no choices. Well, thank you, Chris. Go listen to Chris's Now and Again. This episode drops in the end of January. So this is episode five of Now and Again, right, Nico? It's out right now, side A and B. Who's on episode six? No idea. Yeah, someone. Somebody. So next week, check back on the first of the month. There's a new episode of Now and Again. Yeah, and it'll be someone... um, I think it's the first time we're kind of moving away from the Cage Club family. So should be interesting. And definitely check out the Best of 2016 episode if you want some recommendations on modern music and TV and film and all that kind of cool stuff. You can listen to me and Joey talk about Stranger Things. You can listen to me gush about Green Room, things like that. With my girl Imogen Poots. Best name in Hollywood. 
Well, thank you, Chris. Go listen to other shows on the network for all things Now and Again and Keanu Club and Cage Club and all his movies and year-end wrap-ups. You can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub. You can hear all the episodes that we've done already. You can read reviews that we wrote for the Cage Club movies. You can do all sorts of weird, fun stuff, cool links that we share on the Facebook page. If you love what we're talking about here and you're not in those two places yet, I'm not sure what you're doing, so go check them out. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Chris Mattiello, and we'll see you next time on Keanu Club. Dig through the ditches and burn through the witches and slay them in the back of my Dragula.